Hello, listeners, and welcome to an exciting new episode of Celluloid Citizens. Obviously, to you guys, you're not aware of this, but Brian has taken a bit of a hiatus because he's a big boy now and went off to college. I mean, he was in college last year, but he wasn't in the dorm. <laughs> yes. Um, and now he lives in the dorm. So. Yes. So I'm back, though. I'm yeah, sure. but he's back. And we're going to be talking about 1981's Possession, a film that has been getting... Uh, a lot of hype as of late. Uh, I gave it the meme treatment, sort of, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah. They recently, it's a new 4K restoration that uh, Metrograph did. And I think it's touring the country. I know it's still playing in New York, but I think it's it's moving all over the country. So definitely back in the... I mean, I've always heard people talk about this film because you and I were... Right. We're in circles that that know about it, but um, it's really starting to get some more uh, widespread buzz recently, which is cool. It yeah. is. It's pretty cool, especially for such a deeply weird movie. Yeah, this is. Um, yeah, it's it's directed by. I'll probably say this wrong. And Andrzej <clears throat> Zulowski. Sure. I'm really just the first name. It's A N D R Z E J. So Andres. Andre something. Andre. Well, well, he's Polish. In any case, it's also starring Isabel Ajani and a very early performance by Sam Neill. Yeah. Margaret Karstensen. Oh, Margaret Karstensen, who I have to include a word of extra respect for her because. She is one of Fassbender's uh, regular actresses. We she's not in Corel, but she's in oh, his other yeah. films. So it's I I didn't know she was in this. So it was so fun to see her here. But yeah, Margaret Margaret. Carson and then uh, Heinz Bennett is Hein Heinrich, who is fairly ridiculous. I mean, to me, Why the funniest part was just seeing a very early Sam Neill. I know because the thing is, so you know. For me, when I saw him in this movie, I was like, I don't, I couldn't remember where I've seen him. Like, I don't know, I couldn't name a movie if you asked me. Like, you know, well, I mean, movies. I not as a kid in the '90s, so I knew Jurassic Park, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. See, that's probably it. But I was like, there's like he's that guy from that thing. Is how I felt watching the whole movie, and it was just, it added just such an extra strange dimension to it because there's this... he is sort of like he's recently had more um roles but yeah for a while i knew him from like event horizon which is obviously not like an amazing movie but it's one of my favorites because it's just one of those ridiculous kind of space trucker movies yeah, yeah, yeah where they're just like chain smoking in space and for some reason they're all british oh yeah yeah oh i think it might have been the uh in the Mouth of Madness is where I Yes, see. yes, he was in that too. He was great. I mean, he's a great actor and he's... Yeah, he's... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he was doing what he was told. Yeah, he said of this movie that... Uh, so, I mean, what I was... I mean, it's it's it's... This is such like a European art film in like so many ways. And then it's just weird to have this sort of vaguely familiar american guy and like the lead role and it just it's, it's just an extra... he's actually he's from um oh New he's um, oh okay yeah no i knew i was getting something wrong but you know what i mean like yeah from no i know uh, what you mean though, like somebody that's been in like mainstream films yeah. yeah it would be like if you saw tom cruise in like an old european art film yeah yeah um but yeah i mean he said of this movie um, this is a direct quote because I have it up. Uh, I call it the most extreme film I've ever made in every possible respect. And he asked of us, he being the director, he asked of us things I wouldn't and couldn't go to now. And I think I only just escaped that film with my sanity barely intact. And, you know, typically when actors say stuff like, Oh, you know, like, you know, when Alex Wolf said about Hereditary that it gave him PTSD or, you yeah. know, Dakota Johnson is like, I have to go to therapy because I think it's silly. I think it's like, like promotional stuff. Yeah, like nowadays I'm kind of like, I mean, maybe, but like, it doesn't seem that extreme. But honestly, but this, this movie, movie I could see like legitimately, like, especially, you know, Dakota Johnson and um, 
the other one, like they're more modern actors who seem to have had more roles. Yeah. This yeah. was like a young, fresh-faced Sam. This might have been one of his first movies. Yeah, one of his earlier movies for sure. And um, he has to just be so insane. Yeah, and everybody. So like, so I've seen. So I saw this in the theater uh, for the first time last month um like late last month like you know last week of october yeah i'd been wanting to see it for a while um i knew a lot about it like i knew about the whole minor you know spoiler alert for the whole episode obviously but you know the tentacles and the subway and you know all of these very famous elements that had i love i i managed to find a commentary track yeah i'll say um (laughs) But he says he pitched it to someone as a woman has sex with an octopus. Yeah. And that was just how he pitched it. That's sort of and what this movie is. It like. is. But the guy was like, cool, here's all your money. I'm like, oh, my God. That's what a time for filmmaking. Honestly, you could go in just just literally. He came in with a a a 20 page script, I believe. And. The pitch was, as you said, it's a woman, woman has sex with octopus, and it's like that could get your movie made back then. And it's like, I know. Can you even crazy. imagine now? Like, it would have to be. It wouldn't be this film. You would have to be really doofy about it and be like, "It's a talking octopus, and they have sex, and blah blah yeah. blah." And yeah, <laughs> it's it's a metaphor for something. Right. This is just. This is just. I mean, I think there might be some metaphor going There's on. There's some the, metaphors. But, but the thing about, also, I think it is just a woman has sex with a monster with tentacles. Th- yeah, I mean, the thing about possession is, you know, I was raised on the glut of, you know, the, I don't want to say elevated because that word sucks, as we've talked about, but like, you know, the A24 type. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think of it as, like, the deeply character-driven horror, and, yeah. like, maybe, let's say, like, mainstream art horror. Yeah, yeah, and those movies were citing movies like Possession and older movies as influences a lot of the time, right? And, you know, the thing about those movies is, for me, there's always a very clear sort of one-to-one metaphorical relationship where like, you know, and and this has started to annoy me actually as time goes on, but you know, like Hereditary is about grief. Right. And Midsommar is about, is really about, you know, a breaking up relationship. Right, and, yeah. you know, not just to pick on Ari Aster, obviously, like, you know, uh, The Witch is about faith and everything, right? Um, I don't know. Well, I guess the lighthouse is about insanity. Lighthouse is about wanting to fuck your bro in a giant penis and, you know, uh, following down the stairs and being eaten by seagulls. That's what the lighthouse is about. But yes. um, it's um, it's I mean, it's the thing about possession that really surprised me is for all that this is like everybody is like, oh, it's like a like a marital drama but like a horror film you know when you watch this movie it's totally so such something so much stranger than that pitch would suggest right because saying that you assume like so saying it's a horror film about marriage the you kind of go into it assuming like okay so they're going to act like a normal married couple but it's like from minute one like no one acts like a human being no and they act like weird angry i guess insane i don't even know how else to say it yeah it's the thing is i mean it's so um i mean and it's 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 very clearly not just about the marriage and there aren't really like there's symbols in this movie that i have just no idea what he's talking about half of the time and right it ju- it's a movie that to me and i like it a lot obviously i think it's a great film yeah. but it's it's like the movie to me is sort of incoherent is what it felt like to me where it's just these strange like jumping from scenes to scenes and the camera work is like fucking out of its mind crazy i mean the, the best actors- thing i can come up with and i yeah. do love this film 
Uh, I've yeah. seen it twice now. But it, it legitimately seems like there was some guy who was horny for octopuses who was on acid and felt like making a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... I It feels like... Because it wasn't... He did make it during a deep depression, you know, with his own divorce going on. Right, um, like, you can sort of suss out, like, okay, well, and from contextual stuff, obviously, this man is dealing with divorce or he's trying to work through an unhappy marriage or relationship. Yeah. But then what ends up being made is just so It's a lot of things. It's like a total... It's a total breakdown, honestly, is what it feels like. I felt like I was like... It was like it was like a crazy person babbling gibberish to me, and even if you don't understand everything that it's is being said, it's um, the intensity of how it's being said is so serious that you can't even like, you know, it's really. I mean, and this is a funny movie as well. I should say, like, I do feel like there's a lot of. It really reminds dark me of. Um, I always blank on the guy's name, but the guy that made the lobster. You know how he has. Oh, Yorgos. Like... Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, Yorgos. How he sort of has that weird stilted dialogue. Like, yeah. th- that's very much going on in this. Yeah. I mean, I love Heinrich. The uh, So, I mean, I don't think it, it befits any of us to go in a strictly chronological order with this movie because this... I mean, it barely makes sense in chronological order. It barely makes order. sense yes. in chronological order. But basically, there's this little you know, love triangle sort of, I wouldn't call it, it's more of a hate triangle in, in many ways, but it's uh, Sam O'Neill as yeah. Mark, um, Isabella Johnny as Anna, and Heinz Bennett as Heinrich, who is this sort of, like, I don't know. He's like, like delightfully hippie. douchey. He seems like, like kind of a new agey. Yeah. Kind of. He's, artist type but who does karate yeah like a free love sort of you know like he has books on like eastern philosophy and isn't he like i feel like he's definitely gay coded to some degree and like uh, explicit then we get into <laughs> that thing that's somewhat offensive of european or gay um, I, I but there's definitely but you know he i mean there's definitely like a raw sexual energy to him. And I just think the thing is, it's never like that's his portrayal of everything. Yeah, I don't no, know if it's necessarily it's not supposed gay. to be gay coded, but he just seems like he wants to fuck everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's definitely there's this. And there's weird... a lot of like male cleavage. Yes. Yeah, no. And and the sort of aggression between Sam and uh, Mark, I should say him and Mark, where it's like this very physical and, you know, like the whole public toilet thing at the end it's like there's there's definitely but even that is like deeply funny too because yeah he's like beating the shit out of uh mark or sam neil in his apartment but his mom lives there yeah it's so his mom is just there yeah like and she's older so she's just like oh hey son and then yeah i love when he shows up on mark's doorstep and he's just doing this for no apparent reason He's just like flinging himself around in these sort of grotesque configurations and doing these like wild hand motions and speaking. Because at this point, I believe um, Anna has abandoned him as well. Yeah, I mean, Um, we should probably before we get to we've sort of gone into what the plot is, but essentially it's uh, Anna uh, is in love with and has sex with this like squid monster and. Uh, Mark, Sam Neill, who was married to her, doesn't realize this until a good way into the film, but he knows that she's she's sleeping around uh, on him, and he does find out it's with this one man, Heinrich. Yeah. Um, So it's almost like... It it was confusing to me, the title Possession, because at first I'm like, oh, like she's possessed by a demon, so that's why she's like skipping out and doing all this crazy shit but then by the end of the film it's like no no it wasn't that no she's definitely not possessed by a demon in that she i mean this definitely seems to be i think the title is definitely about obsession and like yeah just like like uncontrollable lust 
the power people have over one another. You or know? squid monsters, yes. Yeah, squid monsters as well. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of themes of like I don't know. I don't know how to, how to talk about this, to be honest, because it's like, there's so many... I, I think the first thing that sticks out to me, obviously, as a very obvious motif, is the sort of doubling that's going on, right? So we have, you know, Mark and Anna, and yeah. Anna and Heinrich, and Anna and the Squid Monster, and then there's this woman who looks exactly like Anna, but is sort of like Aryan and like a perfect domestic wife instead of being, you know, a psycho um, evil, you know, sex monster. <laughs> um, and there's these gay cops at one point where, you know, a, a, a private eye who Mark sends to follow Anna gets killed and eaten presumably by the squid monster. And then, his boyfriend comes to look for him and then he also gets eaten and killed by the squid monster. And then at the end, Sam, uh, Mark, I should say, gets doubled again. And it's just like, it has this, the whole movie has this sort of, um, like hall of mirrors quality to me. Yeah. And I mean, even thematically, you know, like Sam, Neil or Mark's character, I believe it's never entirely fleshed out, but he's supposed to be some sort of like, spy or secret yeah. agent he's working on behalf of some sort of um espionage uh, surveillance is what i get from it because he's being asked to follow the man with the pink socks or something right and and i don't he, know that do we ever actually see who the man with the pink socks is is well, that at, at the, the end well at the end one of his bosses comes up up the stairs and is wearing pink socks but that's so weird obviously because it's one of the people who's commissioning him but he's the target as well as yeah the... it's kind of i mean some it's... of it admittedly some of it you wonder i mean obviously they were on a budget and they had to yeah. move quickly some of it I legitimately wonder, like, did you just not have time to film or have the budget to film certain I, things? I honestly think it's intentional because... Well, no, I think that is intentional. Yeah. Some of the, it's... I know for a fact some of the monster stuff, uh, he wanted to do more. It just was a budget thing and a time thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... But yes, I mean, I think that is... It's very confusing and... I honestly think the sense that this is possibly unfinished in some ways only adds to the the bafflement that you experience. I mean, I think the thing is, it's not, it's finished. Like, that was yeah. the finished product. I think it yeah. just becomes, it's such a deeply strange movie that yeah, it's hard there's to no way to not it. feel like there has to be something that isn't in here, because this doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... It's it's really intense though. It is like it's like I don't it was like very stressful watching this because yeah. it's like it's not even like a regular horror film where it's like we're building up to the stressful horrific moments. It's like yeah. it's like reality is just stressful in this universe. It's a very I love the camera work. When I when I was watching it I thought of Angst a lot because of this sort of yeah there's a lot of like low camera moving. shots or high camera shots there never seems to be anything that's like a normal sort of like around yeah. face level shot and it's 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 moving constant like not constantly but there's it's a, moving lot a lot of yeah. and and they're fast motions and they're pretty like big sort of sweeps and everything so it's it's very it, you know lots of use of steady cam there was like uh what was a oh yeah it has this sort of like really sterile and blue lighting where everything looks like ice cold and all of the decor is blue and it's like very i don't know it's like i mean i do so have much... some insight into that from the commentary he oh, said yeah. a lot of it was just that where they were filming in berlin there was a lot of blue and yellow stuff yeah. And so he decided to just play into that. So there's a yeah. lot of blue and a lot of yellow. Yeah, uh, that's good. I mean, that's that's a great way. But he also said, you know, blue is the color of like 
you know, depression, sorrow, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, blue is sad, blue is sad. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and there's a lot of you, I mean, he chose Berlin because of the proximity to communism. Um, and there's this whole use of the Berlin Wall that, that obviously looks forward to uh, uh, Suspiria, the, the yeah. remake, where it's like really hitting you over the head with the Berlin Wall being like right there. And, you know, there's these re- very eerie repeated shots of these soldiers on the other side of the wall, like looking at Mark maybe and sort of laughing to themselves. Like, they yeah, they're just sort of bullshitting and smoking cigarettes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it's sort of like it's a very strange touch. And obviously, the obvious metaphor that you would lean into is division, right? Like the fact that you know these characters are literally being split into two, as well as the city is being split into two. And then, you know, at the end it seems to have a full-on apocalypse happening out of nowhere, which I, we're jumping around a lot, but like... We are, yeah. I don't... Yeah. Because, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, they're dropping bombs. But then I'm like, did they do that, though? <laughs> it's unclear. There's a lot of... There's a lot of sirens and plane sounds and explosion sounds and, like, flashing lighting outside. So to me, it indicates that there's some sort of like almost like like the worst case scenario for the Cold War or something. But um, it's unclear. It's very ambiguous. It is that unclear. whole scene. Sorry, I don't yeah. mean to interrupt. Um, you're yeah. kind of bumping your mic a little bit. Can you just try to? Oh, okay. My bad. I'm sorry. That's fine. It hasn't been too bad. Okay. Uh, just try to keep track of it. Okay, bumping as in um, like my voice is too loud or literally literally like no i think you're just literally like tapping okay them. okay tapping I'm either sorry. a cable or the mic okay okay i'll stop okay um it's not bad by the it doesn't really okay. matter okay. but no 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 I, I won't do it okay um yeah but i mean you know you're right i mean there's just uh it's hard to grasp it's it's like full i mean emotional... to say it's like a fairy tale reality is i i guess close maybe well, um is, is that what he but says it's more like it's more like just how people interact is fantastical rather than the universe itself. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, no, I mean, I guess the universe is fairly fantastical. There is a, there are doubles and there's a weird squid monster monster. I mean, it has a, I, I, I mean, I don't think fairy tale is the obvious reference point for me because it doesn't feel like a fairy tale. Well, I mean, no, no. I mean, it feels it's definitely well, I guess it feels surrealist for sure. That's what I think more of, and it's like delusional in a way where I don't know it. To me, the one constant, and this is a pretty like it's an emotional logic. It's not a not a psychological or narrative logic. It's just purely, you know, feelings bursting out of everything all the time. But it's like a world in which everybody seems to be constantly externalizing their pain and like it's like everybody's like stepping on ground glass at any given moment because they're all angry and they're frothing at the mouth and they're shaking and they're screaming at each other and when they have an argument it's not just that they argue but you have to cut your neck open with an electric yeah it's very (laughs) it's very extra yeah and people are screaming and doors are being slammed and there's no there's no lull in the pace of that or anything it's just non-stop you know agony from everyone at at all times and it's very i mean it's difficult to watch i i it's I very think about, stressful yes it's it's an ambiguous scene for everything in this film is an ambiguous scene but i think a lot about that um midpoint section where uh, Mark sees the video of uh, Anna. I don't know why my brain just shut off there for a second. Anna teaching ballet, and yeah. she just is some sort of sadistic monster where she's like hurting, you know, torturing her young student. And then she just starts, you know, this was one of the, and 
obviously okay so this is one of the most known parts about the film and it goes without saying but it practically goes without saying but um isabella johnny is really a force of nature in this movie i mean it's it's unbelievable the places she goes to as an actress um like just she's just so did i i don't know what i i haven't heard the commentary but was he talking about how difficult it was for her i mean because i heard that it was uh, being honest he seems like <laughs> he's he's passed away now a rest yeah. in peace but he seemed like sort of a prick yeah he didn't oh. really see i mean he didn't really talk about like like he sort of talked about you know she would go to these difficult places but he, he sort of acted like that was normal for an actor i mean he would say stuff like you know you hear act actors and actresses like oh this is so hard i can't do it and he's like well then why do it like you're getting paid to do this uh, yeah i guess so that... i like i sort of get it but that's also that sort of hitchcocky and like actors are meat and it's like well okay but you don't have to be the one acting yes yeah it's uh it's a little i don't know uh dictatorial in certain ways but i mean it's a lot to ask of any actor of any of any person to go to yeah he sort of vacillates in the commentary between seeming like a prick and seeming like he understood though yeah i mean i'm sure he understood to some degree because he was he was experiencing a great degree of pain at the time himself and that's what he was acting his asking his actors but i mean there's some incredible like the the most memorable thing i can think of is there's a scene in a subway where um, yeah that's the famous i keep blanking on her name too so it's anna Anna, yes. It's so very... Anna is just in the subway and just like, it's like she has a psychotic break and she's just like screaming and eventually starts rolling around on the ground and like kind of like running into the wall. And it just yeah. looks, it it obviously was very cold, but she's just in this blue dress and like you can kind of feel how cold it is. And yeah. she just starts and... rolling around on the subway floor. And the groceries that, like the the egg or something yeah like she had a bag of groceries she just drops and it just gets there's like food everywhere and it's dirty and And then eventually she starts oozing kind of bloody goop yeah it's 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 blood but it it has like a curiously like it looks sort of like and it's not i'm not saying it doesn't look graphic and disturbing because it does but it sort of looks almost like like oils of paint or something where it's like these Yeah, I of... mean I think part of it and I do actually have an insight from this commentary and I yeah. feel bad talking about this commentary cuz I'll just be oh, honest. No. The only way I found it was cuz I had to pirate it. But Yes, of course, yeah. Um cuz there is a Blu-ray but it's it's ass expensive. Um yes, of course. hopefully so there's he was a saying they wanted I think her to give birth to something in that scene and they just didn't have the time or the budget. Yeah. So this is a miscarriage, is what it is. I think so. It's something like that. Well, that's what she says. She says she she miscarried Sister Faith, and what was left was Sister Chance, is what she says in the subsequent scene. Oh, that's right, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's apparently what, I mean, they went there to shoot this at five in the morning. Yeah, they they blocked off the subway. I mean, there's some, (laughs) like, they did some interesting... Every scene outside of her apartment, apparently that was like a really busy street. Yeah. And he just went around and was like, hey, I have no money, but I'm making this movie. Could you like go home for like 20 minutes? Yeah, That's honestly, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And it worked. I'm it worked. Ama- it I'm ama- like well, I guess that's also, street. you know, that's Berlin. I don't think that would work in America. They'd be like, fuck Probably you. Probably not. Not New York, certainly. But it's, uh, I mean, but he said that 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 scene was done most of what you see in that scene is the first take um yeah and there were only two because he said it was he couldn't put her through that you know x number of times you know it was just like you can't repeat that scene you can't keep going yeah he has interesting um he doesn't seem like he like or he didn't seem like he liked to rehearse much and he didn't like to do and the commentary keeps talking about how John Ford would have certain scenes. He would film at once and be like, done. 
Um, yeah. So he, I guess in in a way, uh, his philosophical kind of views of acting and filmmaking are sort of like this un, almost unrehearsed kind of quality so yeah. that it seems like like sort of like the actors are out of control, like they don't have a depth yeah. uh, of is, the material almost. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something we tend to associate with like naturalist styles, like yeah. improvisation, but this isn't a naturalist film, obviously. So what it, you know, when combined with how crazy and controlling the style is, it sort of feels like the actor's are these sort of like people being rattled around in like an extremely controlled cage and they're just like being flung around and just, you know, they're, they're just every, every, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of physicality, um, not just with the camera movement, but with the actors. And yeah, one of the scenes all of them. I think of is there's a scene in a, I think a cafe and um, Mark is kind of at one table in one direction. It's like a oh, forty-five yeah. degree angle, and then yeah, they're sitting. They can't. Anna is sitting other. at another table at a different angle, and they're and talking to each other, corner. but they're not facing each other. And then at some point, uh, Mark just completely flips shit and like flips the table and starts throwing chairs, and, and then she starts doing it, and then they just start like fucking destroying this entire restaurant i will say i've i've been in toxic relationships before and it's i mean obviously i was never in a place where i was throwing chairs or anything like that but like it sort of captures the feelings one has in a toxic relationship of like i love this person but like i want to destroy them yeah yeah and the the sense of like the impulse to just break everything right like they they keep almost having discussions with each other where they they almost sort of talk things through but then it always like they willfully escalate it to the worst degree and you get the sense that it's just this sort of almost helpless anger at the world and at the situation where they're just sort of like throwing not just chairs and literally throwing things but just like just sort of hurting themselves and each other intentionally because that's like the only way they can express themselves at this point yeah i mean there's a very stressful scene in the kitchen yeah yeah we i mentioned that earlier i think yeah yeah well but i mean you know um they're arguing but while they're arguing um She's slicing. Anna is like using this meat slicer to like put in like meat and grind it up. And it's so <laughs> stressful because her, yeah. her hands are just like getting closer and closer. And, you know, she's got like all the, she's got like this kind of almost like a sawzall. It's just like a, some it's sort of meat saw that she eventually takes to her neck. Yes. Yeah. And then he um, later. And then he just like grabs it and just kind of casually cuts his arm open. Yeah. Yeah. It's stressful, yeah. It's stressful. And you feel the... They, you feel the... More so than, like, the physical violence, you just feel the sort of abject sorrow of the whole situation. It's like, it's just... It's depressing, you know? It's just like they... It's it's a depressing movie. It um, is. Uh, sorry although, to interrupt again. It might yeah. be your voice. How uh, close are you to the mic? So I'm I'm fairly it's a it's a headset with a mic. Oh, okay, that makes okay. sense. So let me. How about now? How does my voice sound? Yeah, you sound. I mean, you've sounded fine the whole time. It's just occasionally there'll be kind of like a, like. Okay. A, yeah. I I haven't been touching it. So. Okay. Yeah. Probably, no. So it must be just a kind of. Like a levels thing. I'll yeah. Like it just sounds like like breath kind of like okay, I don't I'll, know how to. Oh, oh, I think I know. Like it's sort of like a. You know, like, yeah, uh, like that. okay, yeah. okay. So what I'm gonna do is just try and exhale a little less, and you know, just, just okay. I mean, don't that. worry about it too much. It's okay. not like anything. Like it's still listenable. Like it's okay. it'll be like maybe once every five minutes, maybe. Okay. Um. Yeah. It's very. Uh. It's a depressing film, but it's also a an energizing one weirdly like i've le- i've seen films that have left me really 
just demoralized and empty and apathetic and everything. But this movie has so much energy. You it's know, you very it, frenetic, even if it makes no sense. At times. Even if it's even if it's a very negative energy and it's like a bad feeling. The it, whole end of this movie. So up. it turns into like a weird action movie. Like he's he's putting a corpse in the back of his car, and then for reasons unknown, he drives the car into a police car, but jumps out first with the body in the trunk. Yeah. Yeah, it's there's and then there's a shootout and there's a motorcycle. I don't even know if it's a motorcycle chase. I think he's just riding the motorcycle, actually. Yeah, he's just he's just riding the motorcycle and he's screaming at the top of his lungs in these like sort of cavernous spaces where he's like echoing really loudly. It's like very it is sort yeah, of Yeah, and that was super dangerous, by the way, because he the commentary he talks about, um the director talked about yeah. they could only do that stunt twice because they're right next to this water that's probably freezing but also on top of that i think it's that the water is in a different part of berlin so if they fell in the water they could get arrested oh wow okay and then on top of it it's just a man crashing a motorcycle at high speed on concrete so yeah that did look pretty pretty real to me when i watched it was yeah it was just a guy who did it yeah that's it's scary <laughs> he was going far um but yeah i mean and it's like a sort of and then the end is a sort of there's a shootout sort of thing in the stairwell which feels it does feel like an action movie near the end except like the most unhappy and yeah no, and the, it's there's some really evocative shots like for instance they're both shot up and bleeding out or i should yeah. say the original anna i'll say original because they're yeah. doppelgangers original anna and original uh mark and they're, they're just sort of bleeding out like kind of holding each other's hands yeah and it's from behind the um the sort of stair ornamental motifs of the stairwell so they're sort of fractured and they've got these it's like almost romantic but it isn't because it's not, you know, it's not romantic, but it has the sort of framing of like a Romeo and Juliet type love. Death. It actually reminded me, and I don't know if this was intentional, but in um, Possessor, there's one oh. of those ending shots where the, the boy and the uh, and the man she was possessing are both dead and they're like kind of touching hands while they bleed out. Yeah, I, I've not seen Possessor yet. Oh, you Which, haven't? I thought you had. Okay. No. I sh- should I? It looks good, honestly. Yeah, but... I would. I mean, it's. I forget. I think I saw it on Hulu. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's uncut on Hulu, so I'll go there. Yeah. No, it's a really cool. It's uh, it's Brandon. Brandon Cronenberg. Yeah. Also antiviral, if you can see that, of course. Oh, okay. Oh, I hadn't heard of that one. I'll add that to the list. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll link them to you. Yeah, okay. but I mean, yeah, there's definitely a there's a there's a kind of tragic quality to the whole. It's definitely film tragic. because it's like she's it clearly loves getting fucked by this weird octopus monster. Yeah. But at but the, the same time, kind of realizes like this is not sustainable. It's 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 like the fucking is uh, some sort of expression of her despair to me in a way. I, it's yeah. hard to explain. It's like she she clearly knows where this is headed that the creature is, is turning into a doppelganger of Sam in some way. Um, which, okay, I'm, this is a stupid thing to debate because there are no answers and we're not going to get any answers. Right. But what do you think about the whole, like, double of Anna and, like, is that implying she was a, a fucking tentacle monster, this, this sort of school teacher, or that she's just some woman who looks like anna or i don't i mean it's weird the way i interpret it is the only i mean to try to apply logic to this film also maybe is the fool's errand but i saw it as yeah it was some sort of some sort of either i mean we know that she had the miscarriage for instance so that implies that she could have like babies right with this monster yeah 
And like, we don't know what the rules are with that. So maybe, maybe she just birthed that. Yeah. And maybe and that's the just like acceleratedly uh, age, but I don't really know. It's very hard to say. It's confusing. It could and also it's... just as easily be some sort of weird spiritual thing where they just happen to branch off from themselves. Yeah. And to me, there felt like there was like a fascist quality. Like to me, the fact that both of the doubles are blonde and blue eyed or green eyed, you know, they sort of it looks a little more green. I mean, I don't know this the director's background. I do know he's Polish, though, and yeah, he well, was of the age Germany. where he was definitely around for the Holocaust. Yeah, it's in Germany, and they're these sort of perfect domestic uh, doubles in a way, where they're, um, you know, she's like a great, you know, she takes care of the kid. She's everything Anna's not. Yeah, and doesn't she say at one point that where I come from? we can see evil on the face or something, something like that. You know, she says that to uh, Mark at one point. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, I think she says something like that. Something which struck me as a very, like, in a way, a a sort of fascist sentiment where the idea that, you know, evil is like some sort of physical condition, which this film isn't is very clearly not saying that it isn't a physical condition because, um, you know, at the end it it looks like Mark, but it's not Mark. It's a tentacle monster and everything. So it's, I don't know. There's just some weird, I feel like there's like a historical and obviously with the cold war stuff, like a very political thing going on here, but it's not something that you can, you know, unlock very easily because it's so opaque in so many ways, but I don't know, it just, it really interested me in certain ways like that. But, I mean, uh, there's some, even though the, it's funny, because I keep going back to this commentary, but obviously it's because it's such a strange movie, and you, you desperately are like, what is this director thinking? Yeah. Um, and But he talks about the inherent ridiculousness of film, and it's like, it's yeah. at one point he goes, it's it's so weird, you know, you go and you're eating your popcorn and you're watching people on the screen and he's like so what is normal like what is a normal film like yeah so i i think he tries to kind of i mean it's very lynchian in the respect of maybe it's less of a kind of normal logic thing and more of a like the feelings that the imagery makes you feel yeah because if you go off of that like you definitely you get the like anger and the sorrow and the just like abject horror yeah, on on an emotional level. Like it makes logical possession. sense on an emotional level. It's just on a purely like in terms of <laughs> reality, or... it doesn't necessarily always. Because I think even to think of it like, oh well, you know, you can have a miscarriage with this weird tentacle monster, so maybe she's able to have baby. Like even that, I think is maybe putting too much logic on it. Well, no, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you're supposed to. I think it's more important that. You know, how does that I mean, what is it that their child says at that very end before he goes into the bathtub? He says, uh, don't let him in, something like that, right? Yeah, it's like, don't let him in, don't let... And then he just... Then the little kid jumps in the bathtub face down, and you're like, is he trying to drown himself? What's happening? That's what I assumed, although it leaves it unresolved, but it looks like he's trying to commit suicide, which is just... It's the... I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. This is sure an ending, yeah. It's like a little boy tries to drown himself in the tub, and then apparently bombs are dropped. Yeah, the world is ending, and also there's that terrifying, you know, he's sort of like a silhouette against the glass door, and he's sort of like, you know, like leaning against it and trying to get in, and, you know, she's looking out the window. And I mean, I saw this in a theater, as I said, and when it ended... You I mean, know, what sound- kind of? I gotta ask you, what kind of reactions did people have? Because obviously, I just saw this with my partner, and we were both like, "What the fuck is happening?" So this is the dead truth. This is the dead truth. Okay. At the end of the movie, I have literally never ever heard a theater so quiet. Like I've never, <laughs> like usually, there is some sort of like you hear somebody whisper to their friend. Yeah, or, so everyone was or just like, like a chuckle, deathly quiet, and they just yeah, left. It was literally we sat there in silence for the whole credits. Nobody got up, 
And then okay. at the end, everybody literally got up totally silent and just shuffled out. And that was it. There was no, I didn't hear any like discussions going on. I didn't hear any laughter. Usually I hear laughter during movies like this. Yeah, I awesome. didn't hear anything. It was just like Funny, literally no reaction sound. like that that I can visibly or not visibly like remember um, yeah. was the first time I watched Beasts of No Nation uh, with Emily. Yeah. And yeah, I just yeah. finished it and we were just both like, like there was nothing. We were just yeah. kind of like completely silent. Yeah, that's a that's a. But that made sense because it was like so heavy that there was just like nothing to say. Well, yeah. This is not that. Yeah, no, well, because at least Beast, and I think it's a great film, obviously, we discussed it. Did yeah, you see yeah. the Criterion release? Uh, I saw it, it's released, um, I definitely want to get it. It's good, it looks good. I'm glad that it's getting a proper release, because it was one of the first Netflix original films, and we're still in that weird space of, like, do Netflix films get DVD releases? Or, not even, now I sound old, uh, Blu-ray, 4K releases. Yeah. Well, they're starting to. They're starting to, yeah. But like for a uh, while, it was like, is this even going to happen? Right. Right. But um, you know, anyway, with Beasts of No Nation, it leaves you with a coherent emotional response, right? Where you're sort right. Of... You're just quiet because you're like, that was really beautiful and also very heavy. This is, yeah. I think, more of an inexplicable like brain cannot process what I just. Yeah. Not even That's, that it's so strange your brain can't understand it. It's more just like, what did I just watch? Right, yeah. It's, it's, uh... By the yeah. way, it doesn't make any more sense when you see it a second time, because I have seen it twice now. No, no, no. And I did it's, wonder, like, maybe, maybe it'll make a little... No, doesn't make any more sense. Right. It's, it's... To me, it feels like the film has sort of been scrambled in some way where you just don't, you can't add it up in, in important ways or ways that we consider important. But as we've been saying, you know, on an emotional level, I get it. Like, I get that it's about suffering is what it's basically yeah. about, right? Yeah. I mean, to me, the one of the more powerful scenes is she's sort of kneeling at the foot of a crucifix and making these almost like dog-like whimpering noises where she's just sort of like, you know, like keening and like some, and it's like just these, they're not speech, they're not verbal noises, but they're, there's sort of these cries of like, like please or help me or like, you know, like looking and it's just this impassive, like, it's like a piece of wood is how he shoots it. It's just, a, it's a cross, you know, it can't do anything. Right. And I felt so moved. I was like, you know, that's what it, that's what it feels like to be human. It isn't like about God necessarily, you know, whether or not you believe in God. Right. Yeah. It's just sort of about begging for something from the universe that will help you, that will take away. I mean, away. she really goes to, like, they both go to really intense places, but like, well, she goes, she goes, she goes even more. Um, and I think part of that is that Sam Neill is he, Sam Neill kind of has to be. It's weird to call anyone a straight man in possession, yeah. but he because has he to is, be he more or less real... the straight man. Like he has to be sort of the glue. He has to be the closest to the audience's like the closest to a normal human being i guess that the audience can have but even so like there are points where he's like writhing on the floor and there's that really awful i mean he murders heinrich yeah he he, very brutally like he drowns him in a public toilet you know it's like that's and again there are some parts of this that are so darkly comedic and that is it's weirdly hilarious because he's just like, oh, Heinrich, I'm sick. Yes. Like, he's just pretending like he's vomiting in the toilet so Heinrich comes in. Yeah, it's really weird. And then he just, like, drowns him or something? I don't even remember. Yeah, bashes his head, I think. Bashes his head and drowns him in the toilet. Yeah, and, and then um, flushes the toilet and then, like, the shit is overflowing and it's awful. I mean, to me, any scene with Heinrich is sort of funny. Like... And he has. I mean, yeah, like that scene where he meets Heinrich. I mean, when they first meet, he just, yeah, Heinrich just beats the crap out of him. Yeah. uh, In front of his mom, by the way. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, later Heinrich comes by and he's doing this sort of like, he's like twirling along the 
stairs and it's, the wall and, he's speaking and, and, and such like Mark is just like lines. in this very kind of normal smug way being like you are probably a better lover than I am but we cannot compete with yeah and yeah and it's like it's uh it's Heinrich is saying lines like uh I've this is a quote I I I remembered it at the time because I just thought it was so funny he's like he he knocks on the door and he's like, I've come to discuss swapping roles in this vulgar structure, the triangle, which it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like nobody talks like that, obviously. obviously. But it's, just these, um, it's just these sort of like spasmodic movements and like, you know, it's like a crazy, it's, I and I don't want to. There is, a, you know, like, there's a lot of that. It's like when yeah. people feel sad or angry. They express it by breaking stuff or spinning on the floor or, yeah. you know, like cutting them. So there's a lot of like physical expressions of emotional stuff. Yeah. Which yeah. which, which comes off as very surreal that. because most people don't do well, that for like that... literally everything they feel. Yeah. I mean, I hesitate to say that I found this movie relatable but uh, because I don't relate to it in many ways. But... You know, I I was a bad OCD. I I still have OCD, but I I was pretty bad at one point when I was young, and I was on medication that was you know not the right medication for me or whatever. Yeah. And I was literally I would have these sort of episodes of literally like bodily contortions and running around and you know demon possession voices and you know just like just these sort of total just random like very like i you know at points i would have to be restrained because of how much i was you know just like acting out or whatever and yeah that's what this movie the movie took me back to that state where i was like like you're whatever you're experiencing is it's like too much to keep inside it has to be physically expressed in some way because and so it's really actually really inspiring and one of the things that's unique about possession is everything is so externalized you know like it's so like the emotions are you know uh, i was talking to tom breen about uh and he says uh restraint is not a concept he bothered with of the filmmaker and no that's definitely shows with possession i mean it's not restraint whatever it no, is and i mean what i think is fascinating about the film is like well for instance it's another one of those is it a horror film horror films yeah yeah blah, blah, blah. um but it as a horror film it's so it's hard to pin down because there are the obvious horror movie moments. Like, you know, the detective goes to investigate Anna in this apartment and then he finds this big monster and then he gets stabbed and killed. Yeah. And, And, you know, at one point, yeah, Mark finds severed limbs in Anna's refrigerator. So there's the obvious stuff like that. Or like the first time he sees, or I guess the only time he sees uh, Anna having sex with the monster. Yeah. And it's just a bunch of limbs and um but a lot of the horror is very it's just like the horror is people existing in the universe and having feelings. Yes, yeah. And it's and it does jump around it like it toys with other genres in a way. Like it there's like a there's something of like a detective noirish type movie yeah, at yeah. points. And then there's like an action film or like a spy thriller. And then obviously there's like a very perverted take on like the romantic movie and everything. But it's, you know, it's it's like really it feels almost experimental in certain ways, like how it deals with um, even though it is apparently not even his most experimental movie but um you know it's it's just a very i don't know it's i I mean i I guess we're getting about the hour mark i i don't think i have much more to say about the film i can't it's one of those movies it's hard to it's so experiential is the thing it's not like it's not necessarily very narrative driven and those narrative driven films tend to be maybe a little easier or even 
you know, films that are primarily visual, which I think Possession might be. Yeah. Even other primarily visual films are easier to talk about. This one is very... I keep coming back to inexplicable. Yeah, inexplicable, undigestible... Uh, Numinous? Sort of, I hate that word, but Numinous, yeah. I mean it's 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 very uh it's just like some sort of it feels like it was like sort of vomited up directly from the director's subconscious, you know. I mean this in the best possible way. Yeah. But this is the quintessential huh movie. Yeah, it is where you watch it and you're like, what the fuck? What? See, this is why I personally would recommend double featuring it with the Apple, uh, because I think that would be an amazing evening at the movies if you just want to have your brain uh, destroyed uh, in very different ways. One thing I ways. totally don't agree with that I heard on the commentary track was yeah. he kept trying to say, like, this could have been shot anywhere. We shot it in Berlin because we could shoot it there, but I could picture it in Chicago or Detroit, and I'm just like, what <laughs> that's honestly funny i would love to see uh vegas like a remake possession. of this just in detroit yeah in vegas. I mean, it could be I interesting <laughs> i don't know how would you even i think to remake this film i'd, I'd obviously still watch it but I, I feel like there'd be no way to make it as strange as no this film you couldn't was. remake this film this is a film to me where literally nobody would be dumb enough to try and remake this movie because it's just there's no i mean it would never even trying to just do your own take on it i don't think that's i mean there are those films so that it it would be pointless yeah yeah i mean you've seen other movies sort of you know do their tribute to it like you know climax has that sort of panic attack which is very obvious yeah yeah it does seem very like possession yeah, uh, Suspiria is probably the most, to me, you know, of the movies that came subsequently, Suspiria reminds me at least of aspects of the style of Possession, if not so much the content. Um, yeah. And Antichrist by Lars von Trier certainly has a shade of Possession in it, but... We should cover that at some point. Yeah, no, it does to. in terms of just this kind of like raw sexual energy and just like raw emotions that can't be contained and the self-harm and all that. And the the sort of monstrous feminine figure where, you know, well, we could talk about what Charlotte Gainsbourg does in Antichrist, but we'll save that for that episode. Right. We'll save that for that episode. But I think that's going to, yeah, I guess final thoughts. Um, Yeah. I love Possession. I um, did. I love it. I think it's a really wild movie in the best possible way. It's a lot of fun, which is really weird to yeah, say. No, I would agree, honestly. Because it's, it's like, you know... It's fun in the way that being taken on like something sort of unpredictable and unfamiliar is always fun, where it's like you just feel like you're in the hands of somebody who you... You don't know what yeah, they're going like, to do to well, you. What if we made a normal kind of like lusty horror film? But what if we made it crazy? Yeah, yeah. What if it is not normal? What if what if movies were like fucking psychotic and out to just, you know, and I don't say this is a criticism, but to me, in the best possible way, it almost felt at points like this movie was talking to itself in ways yeah, that yeah, no, I couldn't very, access. Um, it wasn't that it's great in that way. It doesn't seem like it's, I mean, he was obviously inspired by people, but I don't know who the fuck that was. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't, he, he, it doesn't feel like he was making this for an actual audience that he had in mind or anything other than himself. So it's, 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 you know, it's crazy. It's, really hard to talk about as as i think you know I, yeah i, like I mean it's very but... it's intense but it's like fun somehow yeah so it, obviously it's a cult classic now it's getting wider released with this new restoration i assume which... with the new restoration they will probably have a new kind of uh blu-ray hopefully blu-ray yeah. or, you know, 4k release at some crossed. point yeah i hope criterion snaps it up and just takes i mean if you're really like you can see it if you're really dying to see it and you know what like 
if you have the money, obviously you can get a Blu-ray now. I just don't. But yeah, I'm sure it's this, easier to just get it digitally. And this restoration, this this restoration is very accessible. I'm sure it's already leaked on the usual sites or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm I mean, sure if, we, if you went to our friend who fucked up movies or that's what, where what? I went to just check. Did they their, have it or they did? They do have it. They have um, such a weirdly good. I hate plugging the site because it's clearly you know like they should honestly be paying us at this point because we've mentioned them so many times i don't even want to get into that because that gets into rights issues and like obviously they're breaking all sorts of rights well i guess i don't know though i mean like it's the public access whatever (laughs) yeah that's true Um, but it's um i mean who owns the rights to possession at this point none of the people who are i mean the director's gone yeah yeah so I'm sure he would want his deranged, um, absolutely incomprehensible movie to be accessible to the people because he was Polish. I mean, I do think the funniest part of the commentary track was he just acts like it's the most normal movie ever made. He's like, this makes sense. And it's like, no, it doesn't. What are you talking about? That's great. I got to see some of his other movies. I know a lot. I started watching the On on the the Silver Silver Globe, Globe, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I started watching that and that was... That was also weird, yes. Uh, but yeah. I, it's like a two-hour, two 40-minute uh, movie, so I didn't get that far in because I, I was very sleep-deprived yesterday, and I was like, of I course. am not going to make it through this. Yeah, I'm curious about that one. I know he has a witch trials movie called The Devil um, and a Holocaust, but like extremely, extremely experimental Holocaust movie called The Third Part of the Night, which... yeah. Um, you know, Tom Breen, I mentioned him, but that's what prompted our discussion. He said, you know, I wonder how many people who have seen Come and See and call it the most intense war film ever have seen the third part of the night. And I'm like, okay, well, I have to see it now, obviously. But um, anyway, yeah, see Possession, but... um, I do think it's great that, like, just random people now that might might not even necessarily be into possession are seeing possession and it's yeah. like making the rounds that's so great it's it's being unleashed on it the reminds world. me in a way of Tatane, where yeah. it's like if someone had told me before Tatane came out all right so it's a woman that fucks cars and she gets pregnant from a car and she's a serial killer but then she pretends to be this missing man and there's maybe a sort of loving father son possibly a love interest romance going on and then she gives birth to a baby car hybrid (laughs) spoiler alert for Tatane actually you know what I might cut some of that for Tatane so I don't want to spoil it we should talk about Tatane maybe as well because I like that movie a lot Um, I'll bleep that part out so people don't actually have to hear it yeah but um it's not on the level of possession in terms of sheer fucking derangement, but it's it definitely in terms of like... It's just similar in terms of, pitch, I mean, just this deeply pitch. strange movie that ends up all these mainstream kind of film fans end up seeing it. Yeah. Like uh, it won the palm. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely, it's as close to mainstream as a movie like this could get, but it's still pretty, pretty bizarre. But um, anyway, but... We'll save that for the... We'll save that for a different episode. time, yeah. But anyway, uh, thanks for coming back on, yeah. Brian. Um, for the record, it's probably been three months since we've done an episode. Yeah, it's been a while. It's This is my first time uh, talking to Sean voice-to-voice uh, since whatever our last episode we recorded was. So it's it's very yeah, good to be and, back. Yeah, um, hopefully we can do some more around December. Yeah, I yeah definitely. And January... Um, There'll be a whole new slate of just just weird movie choices that we're gonna be talking about. Um, so we'll we'll get to that yeah, soon. So that sounds also, good. Um, so yeah. yeah, real quick, we're on we're on Twitter at CelluloidSits, Anchor.fm slash CelluloidSits. We have the YouTube channel. It's woefully behind, but I'm going to eventually try to update it. Um, but yeah, until then, uh, I've been Sean M. Thompson. I've been Brian O'Connell. And, uh, uh, yeah, you know, if you're in love with someone that has sex with monsters, maybe rethink your life. Maybe. Maybe.